I'm Paige, and you're tuning into a safe place for you. I'm so glad you're here. Today, we're going to talk about our wounded mothers. I would like to share with you an article. It's called, It's Not a Child's Job to Heal Their Wounded Mother. The author's name is Ara, and the last name starts with an I. I'm not even going to try to pronounce it for you because I will completely butcher it. I will have the link to the article as well as the author's name in the podcast description for you. Check that out. Um, so here it is. It's um, It hits home, and I wanted to share it with you because as soon as I read it, I got chills, and I was just blown away by the similarity to my life, and it just really kind of made things clear. Everything that I come across makes things more clear, and hopefully I can help you guys with that as well. Anyway, here it is. It starts off... My friend is in a relationship with her mother, not a romantic relationship, but an emotional relationship nonetheless. And it's not as rare as it might sound. Growing up, I envied the closeness the two shared. I too wanted a mom I could talk about boys with, party with, gossip with, and I thought it was kind of cool that they knew each other's secrets. Tyler and her mom were truly best friends. And at the time, I didn't see a single downside to that. But as we got older and the rest of us were establishing boundaries between ourselves and our parents, Tyler couldn't seem to shake her mom. Miss Taylor claimed squatter's rights in the common room of her university quad, often made mommy-daughter plans with zero consideration for any pre-existing plans we may have had, and implemented mandatory weekends at home, despite campus being just 30 minutes away. And once we could legally drink, things really ramped up between the pair. Instead of spending spring break in Cabo with the rest of us, Tyler would go on a couple's cruise to the Bahamas with her mother, and other actual couples. Things were getting weird, and Tyler was starting to notice. It wasn't until Tyler tried her hand at dating that we realized just how serious things had gotten. Eventually, she accepted that nothing of hers was off limits to her mother, not even her love life. Miss Taylor had taken the stance of, if they can't handle us, then they're obviously not the right one for you. When confronted about her inability to respect her daughter's boundaries, all hell would break loose. Tyler's mom would recount every dollar spent, every stretch mark born, every night spent sleepless, every sacrifice made to give her daughter a decent upbringing. How dare she be so ungrateful? Especially since she was the parent that stayed, unlike Tyler's chronically absent father. Wasn't she owed something for that? Well, not exactly. Emotional incest, not to be confused with overt incest, is a type of abuse in which a parent relies on their child for emotional support that would normally be provided by another adult. If you're a parent, it can look like asking your child for advice on adult matters, leaning on your child for an ego boost, or to inflate your sense of self-importance. 
Making your child responsible for providing therapy or crisis management, or in Tyler's case, expecting your child to be your best friend. Unlike overt incest, these inappropriate relationships are in no way sexual in nature, though the emotional and psychological effects are undeniable. This phenomenon affects both same-sex and opposite-sex parents, single or married, and blurs the line between keeper and companion. The dynamic often traps children between feeling overwhelmed and empowered by the emotional responsibility, and because the child ultimately takes on a parental role, they often lose the essence of their childhood. We may not recognize this damaging dynamic when it takes the shape of an adorable five-year-old tending to their distraught mother after a custody hearing, but when it grows into a 30-year-old who doesn't date out of fear of alienating their emotionally enmeshed parent, we see it more clearly. Picture this. A young child finds their mother curled up in bed sobbing uncontrollably. They approach their mother to console her, concerned and slightly frightened by the display. The child says, don't cry, mommy. I love you so much. If you stop crying, I'll give you all my toys, and gives their mother a huge hug. The mother looks up and with a smile on her face says, thank you, sweetie. You always make mommy feel better. See, she says as she wipes her eyes. Mommy's not sad anymore. She just needed one of your hugs. The child proudly marches off to the next room to watch cartoons, having just saved the day and fixed Mommy once again. And all is right with the world, or so we think. The problem with emotional incest is that it's not as vulgar or offensive to our sensibilities as sexual incest. Most of us wouldn't think twice about a child consoling their parent through a tough time, but when it becomes normal for consoling, consolation sorry, to flow from child to parent, children begin to understand that maintaining mommy's or daddy's well-being is a responsibility that falls heavily on them. Let's be clear, our emotions are not other people's responsibility, and when we learn that by watching our parents model healthy emotional expression and maturity. When our parents miss the mark, we struggle with emotional intelligence and accountability. Every time we dump our adult-sized baggage on our children or make them referees in an adult conflict, we teach them that other people are at the helm of our stability and happiness. As they navigate the dating pool, they'll seek either out relationships with emotionally unavailable people or avoid intimacy altogether. They become adults who are more caregivers than self-lovers or who use other people as their emotional asylums, a danger either way. In her mother's life, Tyler picked up where her father left off. I imagine it's painfully difficult to conceive a child in love and then deliver them in heartache, but the absence of a parent is neither the child's fault nor their responsibility. Miss Taylor had convinced herself that her daughter was born to offer her comfort and solace in her time of grief. God wouldn't give you a gift so beautiful as such an, at such an ugly time if it wasn't done with you in mind, right? Tyler was... 
was the distraction her mother needed to keep from focusing on her healing, as it was easier to believe that the solution to the problems was already nestled neatly in her arms, loving her unconditionally, always taking her side, never to abandon her. She made a companion out of her child, tampering with the delicate balance between motherhood and mentorship, all to avoid the discomfort and difficulty of scabbing over her emotional wounds. While dodging her own healing, Miss Taylor missed a bigger opportunity to end the cycle of parental abuse. She chose the pacification of her pain over the health of her family, and while she still may not understand the implications of that decision, her daughter embodies them. Instead of showing her daughter that experiencing and working through a full range of emotions is a healthy thing, Tyler's mother modeled emotional manipulation and dishonesty. She implicitly taught Tyler that emotions and their physical display are a means to an end, a way to have your needs met by the people around you. Rather than teaching her daughter about emotional accountability, she showed her that if you're unable to take care of yourself, you can task someone else with the job, including your own child, because having your needs met is the ultimate priority. And what's a little emotional support in in exchange for the gift of life, food, and shelter? I feel for my friend and countless others who struggle to engage in healthy relationships because their parents occupy emotional intimacy, intimate spaces in their lives. Have you ever tried dumping your mother? But the truth of the matter is that titles don't heal us. People with unresolved trauma will likely become parents of the same nature. And if we're not clear with ourselves that our healing is our own responsibility, then we'll end up assigning that task to the people we love the most. It's not a child's job to heal their mother or their father, or anyone for that matter. It's not their job to pacify their parent through their poor decisions, and it's certainly not their job to heal their parent's process help their parents process the pain of a failed relationship, even if it's with the child's biological parent. We need to learn to break up with people who lure us into one-sided, toxic relationships, especially if those people are our parents. It's no longer sufficient to recognize the patterns we have to be willing to break the cycles. And for many of us, those cycles start at home. I had to share that article with you guys because the situation between my mother and I is not the same, whereas she took on this best friend role and really infiltrated my life and, you know, things like that. She basically turned me into her therapist and would unload all of her problems on me and look for my advice and basically manipulated me into looking at the rest of my family differently and having bad feelings towards whomever she may have been fighting with at that time. Um, It was pretty difficult because just like the article mentions, you feel great because you helped them, but yet there's also this lingering strange feeling that something's not right. And it really wasn't until I got older and could kind of pick up on things and 
just really understand and, you know, saw relationships between other friends and their family that I actually noticed that something wasn't right. And I'm still learning today as I go and and understanding. And, you know, ever since that switch happened and I started to see, you know, my mom and our family dynamic and everything differently, it's it's really hard for me to go back. And, I mean, they kind of say once you see things in a different light, you can't unsee them, and it's very true. Growing up with a mom that really just unloaded her problems on you was just something I can't even describe. You know, a good amount of my childhood I really don't remember. And I'm thinking, I don't know, I think I just blocked it out because it was just so much. I mean, my mom would repeat her stories, the same thing, over and over again. And it was always you know, woe is me, she's a victim, and all these people that wronged her, and, you know, as I got older, I started to realize, you know, gosh, I mean, everybody can't be wrong, everybody can't be so mean to one person, you know, what is it that is going on that this is coming about, and it's really just not even the case, which blows your mind right there because how can somebody's perception be so off anyways on a lighter note i wanted to share this article with you guys i hope you enjoyed it thanks for stopping by a safe place for you make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button now also you can connect with me on instagram at one, a safe place for you, one, or via email at one road to recovery one at gmail.com. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you so much for your support.